This afternoon I preach to the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you'd like to read along, you can find Lord's Day 25 in the Book of Praise on page 539. Here the church confesses, Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise, that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we sang together in hymn 48, the Holy Spirit does amazing and glorious work. He is to be praised for the production and the protection of the Word of God so that today we can hold the holy and divine scriptures in our hands and read it even in our own language. He calls and sets aside preachers of the gospel and illumines their hearts so that they can understand the word and faithfully preach the gospel. He ensures that the preached word is heard by many people in the world. And then he works the truth of scripture into their hearts so that some who hear the preaching believe the promise of the gospel. He then strengthens and nourishes this faith through the means of grace, guiding believers in the truth of his word, comforting them with the sacraments in the midst of their joys and their trials. There is good reason that we confess that together with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit is to be worshipped and glorified. We see that in the Nicene Creed. Although the Holy Spirit's work reveals the truth to many more people, the focus of his work in believers is the the, the focus of our confession in Lord's Day 25. The church is the Holy Spirit's workshop, and he uses both the word and the sacraments as instruments to fulfill his purposes in the hearts of individuals at a very personal level. We confess that there is a very close connection between the Word and the sacraments. 
We believe that God ordained both these means of grace with the intention of focusing our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation. It's a gospel that I proclaim to you under the following theme. God gives believers his word and the sacraments, revealing his uh, intentions for us and his nearness to us. The message that God gives to us is very clear, and Paul summarizes it already in Galatians 1 verse 4, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. It's an announcement and a declaration of the promise of the gospel that we also confess that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. The announcement itself makes it clear that God wants to live in fellowship with the people that he created, even though we had fallen into sin. We can know that we are included in God's wonderful plans when the word actually comes to us and we hear it. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that God chooses to whom he reveals himself. Paul explains that he is teaching and preaching because he was sent to this task, you can see in Galatians 1 verse 1, by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The message of grace and peace given to a particular people at a particular time in the history of the world comes, and we see in verse 3 again, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel that is preached is not man's gospel because the apostle did not receive it from any man, nor was he taught it. And then again, we see verses 11 and 12, but it was revealed to him through a revelation of Jesus Christ, the ascended Lord. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul explains that God, who set him apart before he was born and called him by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to Paul in order that Paul might preach that gospel to the Gentiles. That's in verses 15 and 16. This language and and all these different verses reveal that God was very deliberate in ensuring that the promise of the gospel was known in the world and that everyone who hears this word, this gospel, should recognize that it is a great privilege. If we believe that God is sovereign, then it is not an accident of chance that we here today have a Bible in our hands, that we are able to sit under the preaching of the gospel. When we hear the gospel promise as we are doing right now, we can be sure that it's God's intention that we should be among those who hear it and are called to believe. People who hear the preaching of the gospel can know that it's God's intention that they be saved when they see the Lord working faith in their hearts. Although the preaching reveals the grace of God to everyone who hears, 
The difference between those who are saved and those who are not saved can be seen in a person's response to the preaching. If you believe the promise of the gospel, this is a result of the work of God, the Holy Spirit, in your heart. Romans 10 verses 14 to 17 explains that. You can be sure that it was his intention that you who are listening today, that you focus your faith on Jesus Christ as the only ground of your salvation. And your eyes will be opened to see the many ways he urges you to continually be guided by the Spirit in the truth of the gospel through reading, through meditation, through study, and preaching of the gospel. In order that we may be assured and comforted in the truth of the gospel, the Lord also instituted sacraments. In our confession, we use the words, so that by their use. And with those words, we confess that the sacraments of holy baptism and the holy supper, holy visible signs and seals, were instituted by God with a very clear and purpose with a very clear intention. The Holy Spirit uses the sacraments to strengthen our faith, we confess in answer 65, to more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, we confess in answer 66, and to assure us that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross, answer 67. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have been baptized and or participate in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, you can be sure that it's God's intention that you are constantly focused on Jesus Christ as your only Savior, that you are placing your trust and your confidence in Him alone. We see these means of grace In our life, we see God working in our lives in that very way. And we see the hand of God giving us the word and the sacraments. We can see that he has chosen us to know, to experience something very special, very unique in the world. The word and sacraments aren't just like ornaments to look at, but they are tools that God uses to bring those who use them to that goal of walking humbly in the presence of their God every day. You see that he reveals his nearness to us. In his wisdom, the Lord decided to communicate his grace to us through sinful, mortal, human preachers. Now when we consider how people are often turned off from the preaching because they don't like the preacher, or how using men to deliver the gospel makes it easier for false teachers and imposters to infiltrate the church with a twisted or different gospel like we read in Galatians. This seems like a surprising decision for God to make, that decision to use human preachers. It's such a danger that Paul has to warn believers In Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, that if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Why doesn't God just speak directly from heaven like he did when he gave the law? Or when his son Jesus Christ 
was on the earth and heard the voice from heaven. Could it be that he was looking for different results than what we might expect? Perhaps quality and not quantity or perhaps a certain kind of person who believes even without the displays of signs like our Lord Jesus indicated in John 2 verses 23 to 25. Although we have to be careful not to speculate with too many what-if questions, we can conclude that it is God's will to use people to proclaim the gospel and that this shows that God wants preaching to take place in an existing human-to-human relationship. When the word of God is preached by a person who is raised up among his brothers and sisters, like that promised prophet of Deuteronomy 18, then that preacher is able to bring God's word to us even as we are walking along the same road at the same time. A voice on a podcast or a talking head on a TV screen may bless our lives with wonderful exegesis and general tips for life, but such people are unable to give you personal ethical guidance, mostly because they don't know you or your situation, but also because they're not accountable to anyone for their words. The Lord uses men who live among us and know us to preach to us also so that standing beside one another we can grow together. We can point with excitement at the same discoveries of comfort and joy that we need for this moment. Kind of like two friends who are going on a tour for the first time by using weak fellow converts to preach the gospel, God is lifting us up to worship him from our hearts with the feeling of rejoicing in the truth together with the messenger rather than just being told what to do from afar. Using men to preach allows the word of God to fall on our hearts more as gentle rain than as an overwhelming torrential downpour. And so it leads us to arrive at conclusions and consequences that we can understand. Finally, by using mere men as his messengers, God makes it clear that it isn't his aim to use moral persuasion or eloquence to change our hearts, but that only his spirit is able to work the truth into our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, the Apostle Paul explains, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In the end, conviction of sins and salvation are not dependent on a human preacher. And no human servant of God can ever convert or another person. We praise God for his nearness to us as God the Holy Spirit works in and through preaching to humble our hearts before him so that we look to Jesus Christ as the ground of our salvation to make us increasingly eager to share in Christ and all his benefits. Once again, we use the language of nearness and fellowship with the Son of God. For we recognize that our faith in Christ 
brings us into his body to share in all that he has obtained for us by his work. The God who wants you to focus your faith on Jesus Christ also brings this truth very near to us in a tangible and a close way in the sacraments. It is indeed a wonderful thing to see that our holy God, who created everything in the universe, is also a God who comes down into his creation to be in fellowship with his creatures. In the Garden of Eden, he came down in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve. He spoke with the patriarchs. He displayed his glory at Mount Sinai and displayed his presence among his people in that pillar of cloud and fire in the desert and in that glory cloud that filled the tabernacle and the temple. Then, beyond all comprehension, the Creator took on the form of a creature when the Son of God took on our human flesh being born of the Virgin Mary laid in a manger in the form of a servant. It's that gospel we read in Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 18. Amazing gospel. We rejoice with awe and wonder to see the eternal Son of God himself coming into the world that he had made. John talks about that and even comments that the world he made did not receive him. It's no wonder that the light of the heavens spilled down with the angels who filled the night sky when the shepherds were watching their flocks. How much closer could the eternal Lord get to us than by entering the world like everyone else, a baby, born in the usual way, like his brothers in every respect. And not a baby sent to live a comfortable, easy life, but a baby who took on human flesh so that he could offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross to bear God's punishment against our sins, to restore us to that communion, to that fellowship with God that he had made us for. This gracious work of God, which the Holy Spirit makes us believe and love through the preaching of the gospel, is clearly displayed to us in the sacraments. The very definition of the sacraments as being both holy and visible. It reminds us of the baby conceived by the Holy Spirit lying in the arms of his mother Mary intending to focus our faith on Jesus Christ, God gives us the sacraments that combine his holy, unbreakable, divine words from heaven with the things that we can touch and smell and see and feel. The Lord doesn't just employ human preachers. He doesn't just employ these heralds, but he also uses the power of symbols to seal his promises in our hearts. A symbolism is a very important part of every society because it hits us right in the heart. A country's flag brings to mind particular landscapes, 
memories of historic moments and even feelings of pride. When a grandparent or a parent passes down a favorite piece of jewelry, a tool or something that they made with their own hands, these objects take on a very special meaning in our lives because they remind us of the person who gave them to us and it evokes these strong feelings in our hearts. Although the sacraments don't introduce any new information about the glorious work of the triune God, they do strengthen our bond to the promise of the gospel by allowing us to feel the assurance that we hear about. When we participate in the sacraments with a true and a sincere faith, God makes us more fully aware of the work of the Holy Spirit because the sacraments awaken us to the reality of the transformation that He is working in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel. Both the Word and the sacraments are given to us with that same purpose, with that same goal. Although they bring us to see that truth, to feel that truth in different ways, with different means. Through the preaching, the seed of the gospel enters in through the ears. And if we are God's children, he will also work it into our minds and into our hearts where it takes root and it grows. Through the sacraments, that growing plant of the gospel is nourished and strengthened as God works through our eyes, our mouths, and our hands to assure us that everything we have been taught in the gospel is also true for us. You can say, for me. When we use the visible rituals of the ceremonies of the sacraments, the physical elements of the water and the bread and the wine, God is lifting up our hearts to the triune God who is proclaimed to us by the same person we know, by some person we know who was ordained by God to repeat that gospel message. Our worship is a beautiful combination of bowing before the Lord with our minds and with our hearts with our hands, with our ears, with our voices, with all our strength as we grow in our knowledge of His intentions for our lives and as we rejoice in His nearness to us in bringing us into this wonderful experience of fellowship with Him. May we walk with Him in joyful fellowship all the days of our lives. Amen.